Anyway. Yeah. But I'm back. The sickness is But I'm like, I'm so behind on work. It's ridiculous. I'm behind on I'm behind on everything in my life. I was behind on work before that because of other stuff happening in my life. So I'm just I'm super behind. It's one of those things. I'm just, just gonna have to work my butt off. Try to get caught up. Um well, so maybe this will be we keep talking about doing a short show. <laughs> this will actually be short because I don't have much prepared, so I know you've got some stuff. I do have, there's just a couple of news items and a couple of things I want to talk about. Maybe just go through those first. Sure. And then I'll let it be the John show. Yeah, let's do that. It, it's rare. The John show is rare. It is. Um, so Quip was in the news. It looks like they just did a, a like a, a redesign. Fairly significant. That's what I heard. I heard. Or I yeah I, I heard that I saw the headline but I didn't actually go in and see what they what changes they made. I'd be curious to get your take on Quip's UI. It looks like it's pretty good, and you know, they, you know they, they think they have you know like a better design than Office and than Google Docs, which is probably not actually not that hard of a thing. I don't remember being over you know overjoyed by the UI. It, I thought it was well done, but it wasn't any a, a big departure from any anything else I've seen out there. We should look at the new one. They they say they got rid of some menus and made things more hover context, which that's always the trade off. It's not as discoverable if it requires hovering over or you know some some gesture to show something. Yeah. But and that, um it's got some deeper and more integration with Salesforce. I think they're just, just trying to they're trying to make it more natural. And it has checklists now. So basically it's tasks. So uh, a new new ways to do tasks in Salesforce. <laughs> Another inbox. So is that why they're trying to bill it as as a new project management tool because you have yes, checklists? Yes, that's what they're that's actually what they are calling it. Like they're calling it project management now. <laughs> I, I think lightweight. I don't. I don't think. In fact, I. I think I saw a quote from Mr. Brett Taylor uh, that they're not trying to be Asana or Jira or something like that. That's, mm-hmm. that's a non-requirement. What are they trying to be? Um, I, I think just to bring. I think they call it workflow. Just to bring some workflow to your documents, and it's almost like what was Google's? Was it Wave? Do you remember that? It's. It's almost like Wave. It's like this collaborative document editing slash chat and workflow tool. I never used it much, but that's kind of what it was. I guess. I thought Wave was their kind of failed social network before Google+. Well, it was it was kind of socially, but it was more, I don't know, it was like streams of workflows, and I don't know. It's, mm. I don't have a good description for it. Um, but I can add that to my list of inboxes. So we talked about this last <laughs> week, but here's my total list of inboxes now. Many email accounts... Uh, I am so like SMS and and, and messages. Right. Uh, one Skype, many Slacks, many Jiras, a uh, couple of Asanas, many Trellos, many Chatters, and now I'm going to have uh, Quip workflows and tasks with due dates and things. So I've got you know how many is that? Dozens of inboxes. No yeah. wonder people can't get anything done. No wonder communication is horrible. And. Every, you know, everybody knows email is bad, but the solution to that is for, you know, a hundred different vendors to create a hundred different new inboxes for you. There's still no, nothing bringing all this together. I mean, even within Salesforce, they've created a new set of tasks. Well, Salesforce already has tasks. So now you get to do both. You have two lists of tasks. I, th- I think it comes down to just finding a tool that works for the way you work and and then try to use that. And exclude yeah, of course the you others. have to work with other companies. That's well, and, yeah. And everybody wants you to work their way, and but and, I think we're unique. I mean, we're we're unique in that we do work with so many different companies, and we do work on so many different teams and type of teams and type yeah. of projects. You know that. What do you call us? Mer- uh, is it mercenaries? Sell swords? Whatever. We'll just like whatever. <laughs> Hired guns. Mercs. Yeah. Yeah, we're mercs. Um. 
But yeah, the app is uh, also, Brett Taylor says, the app has become smarter so that it'll know when tasks are due. Um, so if you want to create a, this is an amazing AI that's being put in Equip now. Uh, you can just say, this task is due, you can, on the drop-down box, you can choose tomorrow, and it will automatically select uh, what would it be February 9th. Just by you click, clicking on tomorrow, it knows that that's today plus one. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It is amazing. Um, yeah, so I think you should look at it. I want your, I want your uh, opinion. This is amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> I'll, I'll look at it. I'm, I'm always... I'm always keen to check out, you know, UI design and all those. It's just one of those things that I gravitate towards. I know that's why I want your opinion. Um, I'm no expert by any means, but I, 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 I feel like I have a, a decent eye for what works and what's not. Yeah, I mean, we're you know, so you, I mean, you know, I do similar things. We have similar skill sets. I think you know we're stronger in different areas, but I think you know that's one area that's probably like you're not a full time UI guy. That's not all you do, but that's what you know. You you minored in that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So I'm I'm seeing more of this wave bundling uh, in the in the wild and just bundling in general that Salesforce is doing like really strong arming. Um, so uh, you know, obviously, no one to be named here, but a client negotiating on uh, I believe it was community get to get community licenses. Mm-hmm. Um, they already had community licenses; they've been a customer for a long time, but they I guess were in renewal is what it was. Three years was up or something like that. <clears throat> and Salesforce, and they had a, they ha- already had a great discount on their communities. And Salesforce basically was going to wipe that discount away, and their price is going to go up, literally like over a thousand percent for their wow. for their community licenses. And Salesforce said, "Well, I'll tell you what, if you'll buy Wave, we'll you know keep your discount in, or or keep or give you you know somewhat of a discount back." Mm-hmm. But I keep seeing this. They're, you know, and I've also seen, I don't, I don't know if this is official or not, but I was told from someone else who just bought Wave that they did not have to pay any kind of platform fee. And I don't know if that was, again, some kind of, you know, you go out for stakes and negotiate. I mean, obviously, you know, you can't buy anything from Salesforce without talking to your sales rep because you got to, if you don't, you, Salesforce puts you in a position, it's where you have to negotiate. It's like the old school when you go to buy a car, Days, you know, they're gonna they're gonna give you their highest price, and of course, you got to get negotiate. They got to go check with their manager, and of course, yeah. nowadays you have the the new things. Well, first of all, everybody knows what to pay for a car. It's on the internet. You know what invoice price is. You know what you should pay. Right. And so there's all these places, CarMax, these other ones that have popped up that are basically just there is no having. Like we're just gonna give you the low price first time every time. Or AWS, like you just here's all of the low prices. Now, if you're gonna buy a ton of their a ton of capacity. You, you can, you know, buy reserve instances or you can even pick up the phone and try to get a sales rep if you're a really big company, you're going to buy it, you're going to, you want to do a long-term commitment to get a little bit of a better deal, you, mm-hmm. you can do that. But but in general, it's, here's all of our services, the rates you're going to pay, they're pretty much rock bottom, low prices already. The prices drop, like at what, every six months or something. And at the end of the month, we'll just bill you based on what you use, just like your electricity or anything else. Well, Salesforce is still stuck in this, you know, which is weird for, for being this modern cloud company. The super old school. It's like Oracle. You can't do anything with the talking to your sales rep. You've got to negotiate or you're going to get bent over. You're not supposed to pay a list price on any of this stuff. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how they change that. <laughs> it's, it's, well, obviously, they think it's better for them. I mean, I don't know. It's one. Of, I guess they can put their list price out and when you... You know, when you have kind of high list prices, it makes you look like you have a premium service. So it, you, it positions you at a certain place in the marketplace. You don't want to be, you don't, you don't want to have a, they don't want Salesforce to be as cheap as Microsoft Dynamics CRM. 
because they can. That's one. That's one thing they they sell. How they sell against dynamics CRM is by saying, "Well, look how cheap it is." It's not. That's because it's not as good as ours. Yeah, I so guess it could be a tactic. They get to be priced in the public like a like a premium product, and I'm not saying it's not a premium product, but they get to position it as such. But then, if you really, you know, if you've got a compelling deal, or if you've got, a, if you're a great logo for Salesforce, mm-hmm. of course you're you're going to be able to negotiate down. You're not supposed to pay a list price. You might even pay half. You might, might pay half a list price. And this is things you're not supposed to talk about, which of course is why we talk about it on a public podcast. <laughs> Well, I mean, how much? I'm not this saying is, there isn't there isn't a certain aspect to that, but right. I wonder if some of it, you know, could just be innocent, uh, innocently enough. I'm going to say, uh, just the opportunity to partner with the client and, uh, you know, explore different features that maybe they hadn't considered. You know, ask the questions. Okay, you're interested in CRM. What are you, what are you going to do with the CRM? You know, it, we also have this other tool. You you mentioned this, and that goes beyond CRM, but we have we have something for that. The upsell opportunity. Yeah. So you know, I mean, they get to position. They get to um, obviously, they think it's in their interest to they're they're going to in the long term make more money off you off of you by the, the customers who don't have the power to negotiate. They don't have leverage against Salesforce. That you're gonna you're gonna pay more than everyone else pays. Than you know than than bigger powerful customers pay. So th- that's how they. What's this called? This is called segmenting your market or stratif- stratifying. Your your target market, the people that that can pay and that will pay and that must pay the high price, they're going to pay that. That's your most pro- those are your most profitable customers, right? But then there's ones that can't afford to pay that much, right? And and so on a on, you know one off basis, they will negotiate. And if that's the only way they can get you, they'd rather get your if they can't get you to pay 150 dollars you know a month for a user license, then they may be able to get you to pay 120 a month. And they'd much rather have your 120 month than no than none a month from you. Right. But they've got to feel that out. Yeah. They're gonna get they're gonna negotiate. You're gonna you're gonna say, well, we can only afford 70. They're gonna come back with you. Well, no way. It's I'll give you 20 bucks off, it's 130. And then you go back and forth and back and forth, right? And they're gonna get as much as they think they can get out of you, of course. And then if you're a big company, you've got, you know, you're buying a 10,000 seats or something, or a thousand, or you know, some mm-hmm. good number. You you can you've obviously got some negotiating power there. But it allows them to get what they can from each type of customer from each, you know, strata. Yeah, it's just, you know, this is this is standard stuff. This is enterprise sales 101. I'm not that great with sales. Yeah, I'm not <clears> either. <throat> That's why I don't do it. Um, I, I, I wanted to tell a quick story. Um, I'm helping a, um, a company do an, a deployment of an org that's basically been, it's all been built out in Sandbox. And deploying the whole thing to production, so it's basically mm-hmm. production is vanilla, and Sandbox has got, um, gosh, all kinds of customizations, communities, and um, all kinds of managed packages, and triggers, and flows, and business processes, and just well, let me let me look at the list here. Hang on, um, there's a uh, you know global pick list, and of course all the all the developer stuff, classes, and pages, and. Uh, applications, assignment rules, auto response rules, quick actions, uh, just the whole the whole shebang, right? And <laughs> anytime you you try to deploy like this whole thing to a to a vanilla org, mm-hmm. and this is why it's so interesting to see how DX is going to solve this, because that's the whole idea with DX is like you can like a scratch org and then you you just plop your metadata into it. But there are still so many problems with this, and I'd love to hear how they're addressing some of these. But like, there's still the problem of which is why I probably the main reason I don't 
prefer to work with flows and processes, and processes are really just flows under the hood, mm-hmm. is that basically the, the org you're deploying to, the, the history, because you know, in, fl- in business processes and flows, every time you make a change, you, you're basically creating a new version of it, and mm-hmm. then you activate the new version. Right. You still have these old versions, and those are, those are represented as separate, basically, metadata files, these mm-hmm. different versions, which is weird, because if you want a version, like, say, your account object, well, there's not account one, account dash one, account dash two, account dash three in the metadata. Like, that's up to you with your version control program. Well, not that way with flows. And that's, this creates a big problem because it basically means that the histories on your source and your destination have to be, if not the same, at least compatible. Meaning that uh, you're not trying to deploy an active thing that's like version three when the destination org already had a version three that's now inactive. Right. And it's just it's just a mess, right? So I'm hitting that. Um, tons of uh, unexpected errors have occurred. Please include this error ID if you contact support, right? I'm trying to save those for the last and solve all these other problems first. So I have a kind of a boiled down list of errors to contact Salesforce about. Right. But these are just, I mean, th- these are the ones that are the most, you know, soul sucking. It's like because you can't do anything about it. It's a black box. You have no idea what's wrong at that point. Right. Um. What else? Oh, here's an example of of. of and how you can't really do a atomic deployment. So there's a workflow that has a, I guess, an action that or a workflow email that emails a user, right? So in the workflow, what's that called? A workflow alert, right? In the alert, it specifies the person's user, the user's username. Yeah. So if, right? Yeah, I've come across well, that. Well, the user's not in there yet because I haven't deployed. I haven't deployed my metadata yet, which means like all my user custom fields aren't in Salesforce yet. And my user CSV file that, I ha- that I'm going to load in there once I get, once I get my metadata deployed, it's, it uses those custom fields. So I, I can't load my users yet because I don't have my user metadata in the system yet. But I can't load my metadata in the system yet but it, because it requires this user to be in there. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of these things. There's another example where, what was it? If you deploy an object that has history tracking enabled, so, it, so in your metadata, you've got, you know, let's say your account object, and you've, you've got history tracking is, an, is enabled. That's one of the properties in there. And then some fields on the account uh, individually, are, have you've got them checked as track history for this, right? If the org you're deploying to doesn't already have the account set the, at the object level, the account set with history tracking enabled, mm-hmm. you have to do two deployments. One with just at the account level saying, enable history tracking for the account, and then a separate deployment that includes your fields with the individual fields that have tracking enabled on them. That or just go in and manually enable it. You can, but but if if that's our answer to everything, then we have no automation, we have no tools, we have no technology. This is just cowboy coding, crazy, you know, uncivilized disaster. Oh, it's, I, it's, I, not, it's, it's anti-DX. I came across that today. I mean, someone was deploying some, some code that I had produced before I took some time off and they ping me today saying it's not going in. Yeah. <laughs> I looked at it and said, yeah, that feature's not enabled in production. Um, but yeah, so and, and like there's another thing. I'm, I'm, and this may be something I'm doing wrong. I haven't been able to dig into this one yet. But I'm deploying reports and dashboards. Uh, and of course, there's there those are folder-based items. Mm-hmm. Reports have folders. Dashboards have folders. And it's not creating the folders. So it's, and their folders are in the metadata. I mean, this is metadata that was produced by Salesforce, by the migration tool. Mm-hmm. I pulled everything down. And so it's got the folders, it's got the metadata for the folders, and it's got the items, the reports and dashboards in the folders. It's all there. 
But when one of the, I'll get an error, like say on the report, on a specific report, and I'll say, oh, this, we can't deploy this report because the folder doesn't exist. Well, the folder's right there in the metadata. Why didn't it create the folder? Mm. It's not creating the folders. And again, I'm not sure that's, I haven't actually run across that before. So I'm not sure if it's, I've got something wrong, but I, I don't see what I could, why I would, because again, I, I pulled that metadata down. It's metadata produced by Salesforce. And it literally won't go back into, it won't go into deploy to the production org. This is, this, is, this is a reason why um, all these problems I'm running into, once you get it deployed, if you don't let your production org and say whatever your mainline, you know, your, your dev branch or whatever, as long as you don't let them diverge too much, meaning deploy once a week, I think is a good policy. And I, you know, I can't, I can't, I'm not dictating that it should be once a week or twice a week or once a month or every day or as some of these companies do, um, not people that run on Salesforce, you can't do this with Salesforce. Um, but they're basically deploying hundreds of times a day. You know, I hear stories about Etsy mm-hmm. and these different, you know, companies that are on nice platforms that, that you can do things like that. And you can super, they do that because they basically don't, they're not, they're not, there's no QA cycle. It's just like this flow of features that are going in and they're using feature flagging or feature enablement to keep them off until they're ready. And it's, if you kind of break something, it's super easy to, I, mean, I don't say super easy, but there's, you can roll things back quickly and it is, mm-hmm. it is, as it's as easy as possible. I mean, it's built into their process and their tools. But uh, yeah. So well, I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I I don't know how hopeful you are, but I'm hopeful that DX will offer or eventually offer something along the lines where we can do this. Uh, this is what I think. This is one of the big things they're working on, and I'm I'm hopeful too. Um, there's a. I think I just got an, an email. I again I, because of life, I haven't had time to follow up with it. But I think I got my email. Um, I signed up. Did you sign up to get access to DX? I did not. Okay, really? I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, it was for like a month. They were taking signups. Oh. Okay. Well, you're out. No, you're an MVP, so you should be able to <laughs> get right in on that. But no, I, I didn't. I don't know if I finished my point. My point was, do not let. Uh, it's it's a, this is this is a best practice, John. You know, I love best practices. You love them. Deploy frequently. Don't let the diff the the difference in your dev branch metadata and your production branch metadata diverge that much. If you and, and products where I do that on, I mean, once you've got this tooling set up, and again, I know I owe you guys a, a blog post or a video or something. It it actually is very smooth, and I rarely hit these problems. I I hardly ever get the unexpected errors of turn. Please include this error ID if you contact support. And this is on a I mean, I've got a couple of giant orgs I work in that I hardly ever get that. It but it's these, but I should be able to do this. I should be able to take all of the metadata that's working in a sandbox and deploy it to a, a vanilla production org. With, without these problems. These, again, these are not my... I mean, these are... I mean, there's been a few mistakes I've had to fix that were that were my thing, but I mean, most of these are just either metadata bugs or just... It's, it's hard not to call them bugs. It's, I guess you could debate whether that's a bug or whether it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. But they're, they're problems. They're DX problems. I agree. So, so what do you think about the idea of, of the seasonal release, say, say, you know, the way Salesforce does it? I mean, that's, that's waiting quite a that? while... That's waiting quite a while to do a, a release. Oh, that's and release way features too long. And, Oh no, no, no. Yeah, that's that's so. So even from from a salesperson perspective, you think they don't release often enough? It, do you, are you talking about like the work that you and I do, like releasing just our product? Pr- well, kind of. Seasonally? I guess I'm trying to trying to see what the difference is between what Salesforce does as a seasonal seasonal release, where they do kind of four big releases. A year. Is it three, three or four? Three or four big releases a year versus you know this continuous just flow of features and and fixes and patches that just they just happen every week. Well so 
I think that that's a big question because there's a lot to unpack there and probably won't get into all of it. But I mean, if we think about, the, I think one reason why Salesforce still does kind of waterfall releases mm-hmm. is that we are all highly coupled. All their customers are highly coupled to v- very fine-grained details of their system. So Salesforce can't just willy-nilly like be you know adding stuff or, or pulling back a feature that didn't work and stuff like that because we we lock. I mean, as soon as they release documentation and release these features out there with with a release, it's that's a, a commitment. That's a contract. Yeah. yeah, not in the legal term, but in just in the yeah. in the in the technology term, it, it's a contract that's formed, and you can't you can't break that contract now. Even to the point we talked about this last like last week, where you've actually have to keep your bugs working the way your bugs work because. We've coded based on those bugs. We've worked around them in a certain way, and if you fix those bugs, now you're going to break. You're going to break our workaround. <laughs> so, just if you're going to fix it, you get if you fix that new version of the API, uh, and you you keep the old you keep the old version of the API, uh, basically mimicking that 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 broke that you know how it worked at the time. It's it's kind of a um, I don't know. It's like you did the concrete on it dries and can't change it. So, but I think there's a lot of reasons. Uh, that's uh, that's got to be the big one, though, and that makes sense. I think so. I mean, imagine if but we're also dealing with two different technology sets. I mean, they're they're, they're what their stack is. Java oh yeah, and, like Java Scala. I mean, yeah. you know, and you know, they they have tools to do these kinds of things. I, I doubt, and I, so I don't think the Salesforce does these releases seasonally instead of more often because they can't technology wise. It, I think it's because they have to communicate it to their customers. And they're generally very good about that. You know, the release notes, the whole docs team, generally speaking, Salesforce has got good communication with that. And then that takes, I mean, those are huge, probably huge teams. I mean, how many people do you think work in like communicating releases? I mean, these are product managers, these are documentation people, these are communication people. And a release is a giant effort that spans all kinds of departments and probably hundreds of people, if not not into the thousands. And, I'd say it's in the hundreds, and I think we'll get into some of that here and, in a bit. And they do that to produce this product, which is not only the product itself, but all the documentation and communication and, and the, the sandbox windows and the blog posts around and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's just tons of messaging and communication that has to happen. And what they the way they do it now, they know works. Yeah. Could they start to go to something more frequent or more kind of streaming these things in? Maybe, but I mean, again, that's for people like us, that's another inbox. Like, I've got to get up every morning and see what they just popped into my org. Because this is, again, this is the double-edged sword of, of SaaS. Like, you get the latest version, whether you want it or not, if it's a multi-tenant. If it's multi-instance, ah, well, that's a different story. Like, uh... Oh, that, I mean, that depends. <laughs> I mean, like, um... Oh, it reminds me of Christy Guzman's employer. Doesn't she work for, um... Who does she work for? I could have told you until you asked me. Oh, you know what? No, um... Uh, well, first of all, which 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 SaaS company am I thinking of? Um, the name escapes me totally. That does what? Uh, ServiceNow. Doesn't okay. she work for ServiceNow? No, I know it's no, not she works for now. some company that integrates with ServiceNow. I guess. But anyway, I, I meant to mention her just because she's got. We were talking about this new podcast she's got, and I think I knew at some point, but I kind of forgot. So We've wanted, talked about it before. I think, I thought, I, I think we, I've even advertised I, yeah, it. I, I think we did. I, I just forgot about it, and I, for some reason, I, it didn't get added to my. Podcatcher, which I will, I will uh, rectify that situation. But yeah, two. It's called two, two wit. wit. Yeah, which, <clears throat> which you know, two uh, number two W I T like women. Yeah, we're not saying women twit. In tech. Exactly. <laughs> That's not a word we have to. Two wit women, women in tech. So it's two. It's her and someone else. I don't know. I, or maybe I do. I don't remember who it is. But um, anyway, I assume they talk about. Is it a Salesforce related thing? It's got to be right. It is. I mean, they, <clears throat> sorry. 
<laughs> anyway, my, uh, my, vo- my voice isn't warm enough because you've been talking this whole time. No, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's a casual podcast, just kind of like you and I, where they sit around, have a conversation. Sometimes it's about their day. Sometimes it's about what they're dealing with. Sometimes it's about, you know, Salesforce. Okay. But now I was, I was actually thinking, you know, they could, they could, they could have come up with, they could have done some pl- plays on that name. It could have been uh, a, like too witty, like they're too witty for you. Actually, I think the, that, I, I think, think the catchphrase too witty for you. I think the catchphrase they've been trying to use, or I, I think, I think I hear it every time is "stay witty." I think is what they say. Hmm. Stay witty, my friends. Yeah, I think I think that, <laughs> and if not, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> you're free to uh, you're free to use any of these names. You're free to run with them, Kirsty. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, Salesforce, you know, they large code bases are hard to manage, and, and it's, it's all about, but it's all about the downstream dependencies. Well, I'm kind of glad you mentioned, you, you know, know. Etsy doesn't have people, I mean, they probably have an API, but it's not like, they're not running an on-demand platform for thousands of customers to build software on. No, they're not. But and they're also not having to communicate their changes unless they make some kind of major drastic change. Uh, you know, it's it's something that you know you go to the website. Oh, you notice something different. Exactly. You, you work through it. Yep. But a lot of companies, especially on the enterprise level, that have built out you know some major tools within the application, they kind of have that same problem. They have the problem of having to communicate the changes that that need to be made out. In fact, it, it's it's an it's another factor that prevents them from going to Lightning. Not only is it okay, we got to move all this technology into Lightning. But now it's okay. Now we've got to retrain everybody because it looks very different. It acts very different. Um, so it 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 does impact everyone. the The communication side of things, the the ability to kind of just release on the fly once a week. A lot of it is just the you know the who moved my cheese thing. Yeah. Just and not in a bad way. Just change is hard. I mean, when Salesforce changes something like Lightning, I mean, just look at Lightning itself. Lightning is creating probably built. I'm not exaggerating. I don't think. I would say Lightning will ultimately, by the time it's done, will have created billions of dollars of work for people just to migrate to and yeah. fix stuff. <clears throat> and and so every time they change I mean, something, they're moving people's cheese and they're making people do stuff. It costs people time and money. It does. And so they, I think they're they're very careful with that. And they, you know, you don't. I think I, I don't think I've seen. And gen, Salesforce generally doesn't change things. They don't change things in a way that necessarily requires you to do a bunch of work. Usually it's optional. And, mm-hmm. and and they would argue that lightning is optional. And okay, it's kind of optional, although you're gonna have to go to it at some point. Because to well, a couple of reasons. One, all the new features are gonna be lightning only. Mm-hmm. And two, eventually the classic's going to go away. Maybe ten years from now. But it's going to go away. Or you may end up on a some really pod some out in the middle of Alaska. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's where your data is going to be at. With the only pod that has classic It'll on it. It'll be AK-1 for yeah, Alaska. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. Well, that's really what I wanted to cover, I think. Uh, we have some questions, but let's, let's go ahead and do your, your items. Let's, this, now we're going to transition to the John show. Well, I was going to get straight into questions. That, actually, I wanted to get into some updates. Uh, where do I start? Surfforce. Let's start with Surfforce. I like Surfforce. I didn't. Uh, okay, so they're planning Surfforce right now. I guess what's what's the deal with Surfforce? I, I keep I, I've kind of seen it pop up, and I was like, oh, they're doing a new Surfforce. Yeah, they're doing a new Surfforce this year, and this year, I, I I guess this week, just this week, they decided on a location for it. So it's not going to be where it was at previously, which was Ab Abervon, Abervon, Wales. Boy, <laughs> Abervon, Wales, wow. I think some. We need to get someone to send in a pronunciation, a proper Brit. Yeah, I, I actually tried to look, and and not not one of these uh, transplanted South Africans either. I want a proper Brit <laughs> to pronounce this for us. 
Well, they, is it in? Oh no, it's actually you. You know, technically speaking, we really want a a Welshman, or is that a Welsh person? How do you say it? What's the correct uh, by slash non gender way to say that? I don't know. Okay. L- last time we <laughs> Sean schooled us on all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this year it's supposed to be in Bundaran Island. Oh gosh. <laughs> Bundren, I think I said that right. I just, I just Bundren? know that all the Brits are cringing right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know that you may be saying that right. I don't even. I don't know. I tried. Where I, is it? It's in Ireland. Oh, Ireland. Yes. Yeah. Nice. It, it looks like a gorgeous place. I, 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 I did some poking around online and saw some pictures. I saw some videos of it. It looks to be a really great place. A lot of, a lot of people go there for surfing. That's right. It uh, Bundren. It's, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's a town in um, Donegal County. Mm-hmm. I, I, I knew that. Yeah. It's located right on the N15 road near uh, Ballyshannon. It's uh, oh, aren't you I, a sudden <laughs> expert on this. <laughs> Google's a wonderful thing, it isn't is. it? <laughs> uh, and you did it with such a straight face. Yeah, I, I actually I'm, bought it for I was a bit. Trying. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I'm jealous. I wish when it was it, what within are the my means to to head out there. Uh, do we have dates yet on when it's going to be? I think it, right now it's just says Surf Force 2017. Okay, no, but no. you can go to surfforce.co, so s u r f f o r c e dot c o, and uh, you know register your interest. Say hey, I'm interested in going to surf and learn about Salesforce and have a good time. If anything, just go. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, even if you're not a surfer. We we also should mention. I don't know if this would be a good time. Just speaking of conferences, um, the Texas Dreamin. Texas Dream. So I just wanted to, I guess, update everyone or, or, or just send the word out that we're probably going to that. Yes. And that's, it's May 11th and 12th in mm-hmm. Austin. And that's a Thursday and a Friday. That Friday is my birthday. So I'm thinking we can do a, a meetup. It might have to be Thursday night because I imagine a lot of people will fly out Friday. So maybe a meetup Thursday night? Maybe, yeah. So we don't, again. Thursday's your actual birthday, it, so I can get, get you no, toasted. No, Friday is, right? Friday is? It's the 12th, yeah. Okay, so we'll get you toasted for your birthday. <laughs> I don't want to get toasted for my birthday. <laughs> but, yeah, so if anyone is interested or is going to Texas Dream, and I know some people expressed interest in, particularly if we were going to be there, you know, making a... Yeah. Going to the event and then and having a, a meetup afterwards or some some point. So anyone who's interested, uh, it, I'm sure you can find Texas Dream and just Google it. I don't know what the URL is, but... Yeah, I think it's uh, texasdreaming.org. I'll put it in the show notes for everyone. Um, I think you can start registering, and I think they're going to about to pull, pull the call out for speakers as well soon, but I don't think it's out yet. Okay, so they've got something on Eventbrite right now. Um, oh, they've got, they've got a venue, the Driscoll in Austin, May 11th and 12th. Um, no, I don't tickets. That's oh, 99 bucks for a ticket, plus a $6.44 fee. Uh, that guy's right to Shell Black. <laughs> Why is he going to shell black? That's the shell black fee. Why is he going? Where did that come from? I'm just kidding. Because he's uh, organizing, isn't he? Help or, helping organize. I don't think he's organizing. I think he's he's. Uh, oh. I think he's a sponsor. Oh well, I guess that's helping. Yeah, that means he's paying his own fees. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh. So let's talk about some things from the community because I, I think this is pretty interesting. Since you, since we were talking about it earlier about the communication aspect of of a new release and things like that. So uh, actually, before we get into that, let's talk some shop here about sending us comments on info at gooddayserpodcast.com. Uh, questions, I mean. 
Uh, so Jeremy and I kind of had a meeting meeting and decided that our default is going to be we're not going to use names uh, when it comes to the questions that you guys send us. So if, if you do want us, if you're okay with us using your, na your name, just go ahead and tell us. Um, but we're going to default to the more safer aspect of just not using names unless you guys tell us it's okay. Yep. That way no one has to feel fearful about, you know, whatever they're asking. Um, no one's going to get burned. No one's going to get burned. This just us. Burn-free zone. Just us. <laughs> You're right. Uh, we get, I think we get a lot of burn, I would imagine. <laughs> Probably do. So let's talk about Salesforce. But it's, but it's so balanced out by all this work that comes rushing in from, from our <laughs> vast popularity due, the, due to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> do we have the higher me? <clears throat> What are we up, up to? Yet? I think we're up to six or seven downloads a week uh, per episode now. <laughs> Can't say that anymore. It's just wrong. All right, sorry, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> Carry on, sir. All right, so so one of our wonderful listeners sent us a link uh, to some videos on YouTube and kind of wanted to get our perspective on, on these videos, and mainly because they found them to be a, a bit cringeworthy. And so these are the these are the videos that Salesforce has put out on YouTube uh, covering the Spring Seventeen release. So these are overview videos. These are videos put on by uh, various product marketing teams. So each one of these products has their own marketing team or, or marketing head, and they manage kind of the, the marketing around getting, you know, what these new features are, what the product does, all those kind of things. Um, and so there's some videos on YouTube, and I, I did look at a, at a handful of them. And I, the very first one I looked at was a Salesforce 17 overview. And I got to say, it was pretty cringeworthy. So the the... Well, you have to explain what you mean by that. I did not watch these. I, I want to, but... So the, Salesforce has... I guess they're assembling a team to kind of put out these videos. Uh, it's The main host seems to be Jake Cerf. So he's an associate manager of release marketing for Salesforce. And I, I think I think I get it. When I was watching them, I, I get what, what they mean by cringeworthy. And I think what it is is... Is it just like a lot of this? Amazing, 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 <laughs> no. amazing... It's amazing. not even that. Incredible. It, it's, Isn't that amazing? No, Incredible. it's not that. Incredible. Hmm? Incredible. Unbelievable. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> Incredible. It's amazing. It's amazing. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Awesome. Phenomenal. 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 Incredible. Awesome. Awesome. Phenomenal. Phenomenally. Awesome. Phenomenal. Incredible. Amazing. Unbelievable. Phenomenal. Incredible. Awesome. Awesome. Phenomenal. New. Phenomenal. Awesome. Awesome. Phenomenal. It's been an amazing... <laughs> Okay, wait back. Maybe, is that some of this? This is awesome. This is amazing. I managed to go to the restroom and come back in yeah. the time that you did that. <laughs> I, I knew you need a bathroom break, so I'm just going to start sticking those in now. Oh, yeah, that'll be it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what it is is that the the team they have doing this is is new at this, is new at being in front of a camera or speaking in in this way. So they relied heavily on prompts and scripts. Yeah. And so you can tell they're reading. You can look at their eyes and you can see their eyes, you know, scanning, you know, what they're reading. And it comes off as disingenuous because I looked at other videos. Uh, and in fact, I'm going to name names. So Brian Bergen, who's director product marketing for Marketing Cloud, when he jumped on, I, it, it became natural. You know, it didn't look like he was reading. His eyes weren't scanning. Um, he was genuine in the way he was speaking and, and speaking about the product. He wasn't reading off a script, or at least I couldn't tell he was reading off a script. And so his words came off more genuine, and the, the video wasn't as cringeworthy. Past was it that bad? I mean, really? I mean, you're, you're going for the content. I mean, I don't it know. was bad. I, I, it, I, it, I think let's role play this out. Let's role play this out. It, it. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jeremy. 
Oh, I'm glad to be here, John. Yeah. Well, today we're going to talk about this great new phenomenal feature of Salesforce. Oh, and it's so phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it's it's along those lines, but it's red. You know, we're even we're yeah. kind of ad-libbing this, and it might but even still. be a little entertaining. It was even the the uh, this, excitement this, this superlatives. Assistant Director of Release Management. He's not a he's not the CNN nightly news. You know, he's not a broadcast I know, I know. anchor. I mean, and I know. And I'm, in, a, in a way, I'm kind of defending it and saying, yeah, let, let's cut them some slack. They're just trying to put this information out and they're not good at it Go yet. Go back to listen to one of our earlier podcasts. <laughs> they're not good at it. And and exactly, that, that was going to be my take on it, is that, you know, for them to get good at this, um, to be on the level of Brian Bergen, uh, even there was, there was a, a woman named Hannah Egan who did pretty well as well. She felt pretty natural. She didn't seem like she was nervous. She didn't seem like she was reading I mean, um, public speaking or having a big microphone and camera and lights in your face, it's, it is not natural. And some people, some people, but some people are naturals at it. I think it's right. a small percentage. And some people just have to work really hard at it. And it's going to be hard at first. And that's one of those things, the people that aren't good at it, if, if, if they get to do that, if they get opportunities to do that over and over, I mean, that's really how you get better at anything. And yeah, it's just, you know, don't worry about what people like John say. Just keep doing it, man. <laughs> well, get better. but I hope they, I hope they take the, I hope they take the time to to get better at it because well, these, these have, are all these senior some, product managers. I'm, I'm these a, are product managers. These are these are people who are you know supposed to be representing this product, and so they're going to have to be out there at Dreamforce giving public speaking. They're going to have to be in front of a camera and do some public speaking. So they are going to have to develop that skill. Sure. Right. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, it's probably going to be cringeworthy for some of us. Well, how is the content? I mean, is it is it are these videos worth watching for people like us, uh, admins and developers and consultants? They are. I mean, they they do highlight. Many is this a new th- initiative? Is something or you know? No, uh, it it's hard to say because you know when you had a new release, Salesforce did start putting out these videos. Sometimes it was people in the community that they brought on to talk about features. A lot, most of the time, it was people within Salesforce, a product manager or someone who who helps work on the product will come up and and you know, do some kind of slide presentation. And that's pretty much what it was. Um, so it's this ongoing thing where they try to communicate releases in a number of different ways. They'll have blog posts on it. You'll have MVPs talking about it. You'll have Salesforce doing videos on it. You know, there's just tons of information out there. Okay. Whatever your way of learning this information is, there's some way of, of discovering that. Right. Um, so like, it's not like really a new the, thing. I like to print out the release notes and put them under my pillow at night <laughs> and learn through osmosis. Yeah, yeah. Go, go for it. That's how I've gotten so good at lightning. Is it? Yeah, can't you tell? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I can't tell. You're 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 still wide eyed and smiling. Exactly. You haven't dealt with the right the trials and tribulations yeah. of lightning yet. But it, I, I think they try to take a more polished approach. They're obviously in front of a green screen. It's some kind of trailhead lodge behind them. Is this the one where it looks like they're sitting at like a news desk? Or? No, no, oh, okay. no. I've seen that one, yeah. but no, this is kind of, it's like some kind of, like they're in a lodge somewhere talking and there's like this huge mountain, snow-covered mountain in the background. And, and that's that's all real, John. They're, oh. they're on location. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is so much for fastest to 20 billion you if, know, they're, if they're spending money on that. Spares no expense. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm not faulting it. It was well done. And the graphics were well done. And and once they got into the slides and the presentation, the content, that's it's all pretty good. Yeah. It's just sometimes it's hard to get past. And and that that's that's the thing. That's the thing. Uh, when you're doing a presentation, when you're doing a talk, when you're trying to educate and talk to people or inform people, you know, part of the struggle is is getting past yourself, you know, the anxiety, the 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 nervousness that you feel in order to to just kind of effectively communicate in a way that people can understand and and relate to where they not feel like you're just reading something. It's like, well, if you're going to read it, I can read it myself. Yeah. Or or gosh, he's so nervous, he's stumbling over his words. I'm not getting anything from this. Yeah. Yeah, we all start somewhere. 
All right. Well, so that was the question. What's the question? Well, it was just more of our take on it, our response, and we kind of did that. I think we did did so fairly. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I didn't see them, so it's a, it's an item for possible improvement for Salesforce. I'd appreciate the initiative, and uh, maybe a good, you know. A scout's effort or whatever at, uh, for our first time. <laughs> hey, tying it back into the trailhead thing. Yeah. Get it? All right, so our next question, uh, also anonymous. Uh, so he's, he asks, or he or she asks, mm-hmm. I shouldn't be so specific. <laughs> <laughs> it? No. <laughs> the resource asks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, no, I apologize. <laughs> now I'm red-faced. Yeah, you just don't want me to... <laughs> I embarrassed myself. Yeah. You don't want to get lashed later for using the word resource. I know. <clears throat> Jeremy just got these wild yep. eyes. Looks like the shining. I'm going to start whittling a switch over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He, <laughs> the current project I'm working on has about 200 Visual Force pages. All of these pages are data lookup, data entry for various lines of business functions. If you were to move Lightning to what advantage do we get? A, uh, if you were to move to li- Lightning, there's, there's a lack of... Um, punctuation here so i'm I'm having to read this weird if we were to move to lightning what advantage do we get other than an interface that looks pretty is the time it takes to develop less compared to visual force maybe the pre-built component market is full of components we're not using any fancy like grid or maps now i think this is more of a question for you i just don't know if i can answer this well you can't answer the 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 idea of transitioning 200 Pages into another technology. I know that most businesses are not. <clears throat> it's it's very hard to justify, you know, rewriting things because we either, you know, don't like what some library we chose to build it on, or we want to we want to redo the UI. But it's going to be that it's not going to get you anything new functionality wise. It's yeah. not going to move the needle on revenue or profit or market share. It's just going to be the same thing, but it's going to cost us all over again. That's well, hard. That's a hard sell. Yeah, I think it's important to realize that when you're talking about moving, you know, some existing functionality that you built and moving it to Lightning, it's not like transitioning it to another theme as we have historically with Salesforce. You know, maybe you had some styling or something that kind of depended on, or maybe not depended on it, but matched the Salesforce UI. They were your custom CSS. They were your custom mechanisms for redirecting and all those kind of things. Um but we haven't had to deal with what we're dealing with now, which is a real big switch to a different technology. So you're not really talking about modifying or changing pages. You're talking about a whole new product initiative. You're talking about building a new product. You're talking about rethinking the way these all these things work, right. not just changing some colors and styles. Right. Because the way buttons work and they interact with the UI, the way they redirect, the way the, the post, because there is no postback mechanism, now you're really more dealing with more API-style commands, uh, remoting calls, all those kind of things. Um, there's also a whole new aspect of security. Uh, there's a whole new aspect of performance because your page is running in the context of everyone else's events and all of those got to stack and queue and and respond at all, all these different times. It, it, it's a big enough change that it is a whole new initiative. Um, so if you're going to kind of try to do some kind of ROI analysis on it, you have to look at it from a perspective of as if you were moving from one complete system to a different system. Yes, you're on Salesforce, but look at it as if you're moving from one completely different system to another. There may be some things back-end, business logic layer, those things that never touch the UI, but are used from the back-end that you can keep and reuse. Yeah. Um, however, 
you may have to adjust how that data is pushed back, how much of it is pushed back, um, how it's represented when it gets pushed back, um, all those different things. This is this is also a, a really good point to mention how this is uh, an, a, an example where you would really benefit if you have encapsulated your domain logic, your business layer, whatever, right. as its own uh, subsystem that does not have any UI elements that have bled into it. Right. And, and it's exposed by like a service layer, right? Now, mm-hmm. you may have to modify that service layer and, your, and like your visual force controllers, right? Those will be different. But if all your controllers were doing were calling into your service layer, which invokes your domain layer, then you've got a... What's what's it's an anti-corruption layer is what it's called, right? It's sure you <clears throat> you know you might have to yeah you're going to have to change where those interface up, but the the core of your business logic actually is completely immune to changes in your UI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think and and I agree with that. But I think when when we talk about transitioning 200 Visual Force pages, a lot of that functionality that we that we got used to with buttons is the postback mechanism. You post a button, you fill a property with some data, and it posts back, and all of a sudden that's on display. Yeah, so you're you're referring to the um, so post back. This is the uh, view state stored in the in the in the form on the in the browser. Yeah, and that, that's probably more accurate representation. Is we've really relied on that view state. So every time someone does one of these action methods or an action command, what are they called on buttons? Like a command button with an action command button, right? It's it's basically uh, it hits the server. Mm-hmm. It reinstantiates your controller, resets all the state on it based on what was encoded in the and in, in, in stored in the browser's form that got sent back, and that's what's reused to reswizzle the the controller instance, right? And then a, ma- a method magically gets called, right? So that's right. that's kind of the model you're talking about here. Yeah, and and I think the key factor here is that you're not getting that anymore. You're not getting this kind of view state that managed itself between postbacks. You know, all you had to worry about is the properties and, and its well, visibility. Well, because everything's gone stateless now. Everything is, right. it's, you know, REST is stateless. And, you know, the idea is it, really clients, it's, it's just a different model. Mm-hmm. You know, the server is stateless. Client keeps state right. on what it needs, you know, UI state, basically. Right. Yeah, so it's going to be a different way of kind of interacting with your pages, um, defining what the state is of things. You know, you might be putting more into data tags on your elements, or you may be combing through the DOM a little more than you used to because, you know, Salesforce isn't, you know, serializing and deserializing that state for you. So there's going to be a significant difference in terms of the UI and those mechanisms that it could, it will be significant change for a lot of features. Yeah. Uh, And then there's also the performance aspect of it. You know, you're, you're going to want these things to perform pretty fast. You're going to be manipulating DOM, you know, and a lot of things could go wrong with that and styling and positioning and all those kind of things. So you just want to be conscious of it. And yeah, when, <clears throat> and your, does your team have the skill set for this? It is a different skill set. I mean, there's maybe some overlap, but there's a lot of Salesforce developers mm-hmm. um, out there who are kind of, you know, Visual Force and Apex people. They, you know, they may not be real strong in, in JavaScript and in, in reactive programming and all these things that are, a different set of skills. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> people think, some people, I think, hear JavaScript and they think, oh, well, that's just this little toy language that we've had for 20 years now. Well, <laughs> turns out the JavaScript world is huge now and the and the amount of tools and compilers and transpilers and uh, libraries and node stuff, it, it is dizzying. Mm-hmm. And if 
you know, you're not going to learn that overnight. Yeah. And I think that speaks to the kind of the time aspect of the question. Um, from an overall perspective, I would say yes, because none of us have have had those years of experience that, that provide some kind of efficiency where I know what it, I know how to put a table onto the screen or I know how to, to interact with a checkbox on a table and have it interact with other things. You know, those things are gone now. We have to learn new lessons. We have to do different things. Um, I've built hundreds of hundreds of Visual Force page related list clones, basically a custom related list that was tossed on the page in a section. I've done that so many times I could do it in maybe two or four hours. I've also done that in Lightning and it's taken me a lot longer yeah. because I had to learn lessons. I had to learn things and there are things I couldn't do with it. Um, there are things because of the way Lightning works. You know, when you go to click new from a related list, it opens up in a little pop-up window not a new page. It doesn't send you to a you new page. You can't do this with Salesforce. <laughs> it's not a, well, there is something about that that I'll, I'll speak to, but you know, the, the way that the software works is different. So the way you design your UI is going to be different. The native features of Salesforce that you leverage are going to be different. And that's just going to be a learning curve. So it's going to take longer. I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume that anyone can do anything faster on Lightning that they, they were proficient at in Visual Force. Assume it's going to take times two at least. Yeah, and, and Lightning is still somewhat of a moving target. I mean, you know, whether it's locker service or any of these other things that are kind of... It's... Well, yeah, one, one thing I came across, since, it, since we can tangent into this, is that, um, I, again, I built a relay list. I stuck a new button on there. I, I utilized uh, e.force colon create record <laughs> action command. And it allows you to, to pass in the record type and the type of object that you want to create. And that's the command. That's all you get. Well, I got a bug report saying it doesn't pre-fill the account because this was creating contacts. And I was like, what? It's like, it's not. And I, I, for some reason in my head, thought that somehow Salesforce was deriving context from the page that it was being called from. Oh, yeah. But it's not. So I thought, okay, well, maybe I just need to type in the field name, account ID, and pass it the record ID. But no, it doesn't accept it at all. It doesn't crash. It doesn't throw an error. It just doesn't accept it. When it goes to serialize the params that you pass it, it just ignores anything that it's not aware of. Okay. So it's aware of record type, it's aware of entity type, but if you try to pass any other values in that param, just it, get dropped, it, right? it just get dropped. Yeah. Um, and so that meant I had no way of, of, prov of providing context to that create record to say, hey, this is the account for the record you're creating to, to attach it to. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a gap that I can't solve for. I thought I could create some custom action method. That was a fail. I tried a lot of different things to try to solve for it. I spent hours failing. Um, but it's just something I couldn't do. Yeah, and this kind of just makes me think that I, I think we all need to have our keep our eyes on what's happening with Lightning and and find opportunities if you have them to to use it um, or to at least start transitioning. But I don't feel like we're you know really even close to the time yet where you're like, oh crap, we've got to move to Lightning. That's just we're just not there yet. It's we're not, but I think that, that now is the time to explore the options to start prototyping things out, taking an existing UI and attempting to rebuild it in, in Lightning so that you can learn some lessons. You can learn, it, maybe it's it's built in a way that you can do a direct port in terms of functionality, and the only thing that looks different is the color of the lines and the color of the buttons, but it all works the same. Right. But there might be cases where the way you built it just isn't going to work in Lightning, and you're going to have to completely rethink how you built that tool. Yep. Uh, so it's a good time to start exploring that. And unfortunately, time is money, so that does mean an investment in just prototyping these things out, seeing what works, um, but that, it, it, I can't say any more than what it is. It yeah, is what it well, is. Well, that's just the cost of uh, doing business. It's you're gonna if you're gonna develop technology and, and use 
systems, you know, you you have to, this is just part of investing in those systems. Yeah. Um, so I want to go back to the earlier question in that, um, what advantages do you get? Well, if you, if you think of this in terms of the fact that from the moment you guys started creating those Visual Force pages and while you were creating all those, you were actually incurring the sunk cost of having to transition, even though you didn't know about lighting at the time, hadn't been announced, you were already incurring the sunk cost of having to move all this functionality to lightning. If you will accept that premise, then I think you can answer your question, which was, what was it again? (laughs) What are we getting with lightning other than a a pretty interface, basically? You 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 are getting to continue to use the system that you've invested in. It's basically, it's, it's inevitable. What this task that you're talking about doing, at some point, you were you're going to do this. Question is when. What I'm saying is, when you created this, when you were creating those Visual Force pages, you were all in 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 addition to paying for that cost of building them on Visual Force, you're also committing to the sunk cost of having to move those to a different interface at some point. And so, if you can, if you accept the fact that that is a sunk cost, and and this is going to happen, then then the question just becomes, well, when? Because again, it is a moving target. It may not be the right time yet. Things are going to solidify and get easier and better with Lightning. Mm-hmm. So it may be, it may make sense to wait. Um, it may make sense to start transitioning some of your team, start, you know, people who are interested and willing and, and capable, start uh, getting some Lightning skills and do a, you know, start doing some experimenting or, or see what it's like, see what, what it's going to be like for the rest of the team. You know, just mm-hmm. learn some things, kind of scouting, send some scouts out. Yeah. Um, you don't have to jump. You know, again, I don't think we're at the point. It's like, oh crap! You know, we've got to move everything to Lightning. We're not there yet. So, yeah. But, but it does make sense. Like I think, you, like you said, to to start doing some stuff. Yeah, and I I think some other advantages that I can think of are that you can start to build more modular components. You know, a lot of times when we talk about building new functionality, we we default to creating a whole new page of functionality that's a single that does all the, a bunch of stuff because we don't want the user to have to click around. Yeah. With Lightning, you can build these smaller components and include them on the page. So you don't have to show a bunch of account information. You don't have to show a bunch of other information because all you have to do is take this one piece of functionality, embed it on the page, and now it's there with everything else in the same context. Whereas before, if you had this function that needed to do something, but you still wanted to show some account information, and and let's say it's a quote screen, and you wanted to show some account information, maybe some other numbers from some other places and all those kind of things, you had to build a whole new page to be able to do that and present it a certain way. Well, now you have a little more flexibility because you can control what components are displayed where. You can add new tabs to the page. You can do a lot of different things. So now maybe you can look at your screens and go, okay, well, we built this whole page, but we really built this whole page because we didn't want them to click away. All we really needed then was this one piece of functionality, this one block. And maybe that can just be a small component that we include on the page with everything else. So maybe you can start reducing the number of pages you have and just start creating more components. The other advantage to that is that these components can be more modular in that they'll be available with desktop and mobile. So now you have the opportunity to create something that's that's available to both your desktop users and your mobile users. That's a potential actual return on investment. Yes. Uh, today with Visual Force, it just wasn't something you could do. Salesforce One didn't work that way. It worked differently. You could do Visual Force pages and, and this and that, but it, it just... They technically ran. They, they technically would, yeah. ran. <laughs> Um, I, I think one thing that makes sense to do immediately um, is go through your your Apex Visual Force controllers and 
look, find all those areas where you've got a bunch of business logic in your controllers. I'm sure it's there. Every, you know, yeah. we, we've all done it. Unless you're a perfect <clears throat> developer or, or you've just had really good practices from day one, you've probably got some fat controllers, I'll call them, right? Yeah. Um, you go refactor your fat controllers. Start building a domain layer. Um, and it's gonna, it'll make that transition easier. But I, I would also caution and say, don't go crazy. Don't don't go start architecting this huge domain layer, this huge you know API that you're going to build out so that everything can communicate. You know, start small. Uh, I I've been there and yeah. I've done that. I've yeah. I've gone overboard and going, oh man, all this stuff is in there. I don't want to be in this situation again where I'm having to redo all this. I'm going to put all this in this this layer and it's gonna it's gonna have all these different interfaces so that everything can be abstracted and it just you can go crazy. So just be sure to temper yourself. Community have have other people architect this with you. Talk about these ideas. Um, you know, you do some back and forth because, you know, it, it's but easy also, to get carried away. Make sure you've got good test coverage. And I would say, you know, functional tests as well that are testing end to end. So that after you do a significant refactoring, you you know, just make sure your end to end tests are still passing. Right. <clears throat> some other things to note about Lightning is that there are some new features coming, um, like the data services layer, which will let you access Salesforce data from within JavaScript. I think it's develop, developer preview or it might be pilot preview right now. I don't have access to it. I haven't seen it. But my understanding is you'll be able to access Salesforce data from within your JavaScript helper controller classes. Or I don't know what we call them, files, classes, whatever those concepts okay. are. Um, so that might change how we build things depending on how that works and, and what limits are associated with that. Um, but for now, our main mechanism for interacting with Salesforce, at least from the client layer is um, Aura-enabled tags, which are basically synonymous with remoting tags to get information in and out of Salesforce mm. by communicating with the backend. All right. Uh, and the last point, which I don't have much to say about, is the component market. And yeah, you can go out and explore and find components. Um, there might be a bunch of them out there that might do what you need done. Um, and that might be a good strategy. I don't know. It just depends on what you need done. Yeah, I don't have much experience with that. My guess is you'd, you'd find some like purpose-specific components that, that might work for you, but... I, I, I don't know if there's any kind of libraries out there that say, oh, here's a really nice table component. I don't think it's, I don't think it's those kind of components. The traditional, when we think components, we tra traditionally think about these you know, no, they, UI they, layer... They, inter they enterprised up these components is yeah. what they did. These are, these are sellable um, things, There's right? Just micro apps, right? I'm going to call them micro apps. Yeah, they kind of are. Yeah. And so they're they're not what a probably a developer would think of when you think of a component. Right. It's, there's like going to be a lot more ceremony, and they're probably going to be more of a black box than what you like. I'm guessing. Not sure, but worth yeah. a shot. I don't have any experience with it, so I can't say. Yeah, me either. And that's the end of the questions. It's your show, John. Still my show. Dead air. We got I dead air. I love it. I love dead it. Dead air. All right, so. I don't know how I don't know if this is a good throwaway topic or what, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up anyway. So a while ago, a while ago, I mean December, um, Salesforce came out with a a paper, some kind of study on a small business, and and they're talking about you know how many it, it was trying to illustrate how small business doesn't leverage technology enough. It was trying to it was trying to they say they haven't transformed the way they innovate or innovated the way exactly. they transform. And I I, <laughs> I I think it was trying to paint the picture that that it's a a ripe market for disruption to go in and, and build solutions for small business. Um, however, 
me being the cautious person when it comes to stats and numbers and and marketing, <laughs> I decided to look more, at more detail on the study itself. And what I saw is that it was a sampling of maybe 384 people or small businesses. Mm -hmm. And then they derived the results from that. Okay. And while a lot of the results seemed common sense to me, you know, a lot of them are not using software. A lot of them are using spreadsheets, you know, and it kind of makes sense. You're a small business. You don't have a lot of money to spend on software. You, you, you didn't start a business to manage software. You started to provide a service. Um, so a lot of it made sense. Um, but I still kind of found the numbers kind of suspect in terms of, you know, some of the results they were gaining and, and how they were saying, you know, oh, yeah, we really want to automate all this stuff. And I'm like, really? The small mom and pop wants to automate all that? I don't think they're thinking that. At most, they're thinking about automating with QuickBooks or something, their financials, because that's that's really what they have to maintain. Yeah. Not CRM, not client, not marketing, because um, there's tons of services out there that will do that for you. Isn't that automating? Well, it is, but it's more of a service. You know, you call up some company and say, hey, I want to do a, a marketing event. And they're like, okay, we'll, we'll do all the printouts and everything for you. Mm. You know, I just, I just found the numbers odd. Okay. And so well, I, I researched some more. Can you have some of those numbers or what? I mean, anything you'd like to share? Well, so let me, okay, while you're, <laughs> while you're digging for that, I'll, let me talk, let's just talk about the sample size for a minute. Could you throw 384 or something like that? I think so, yeah. So that potentially could be a plenty good size sampling size. It depends on... The types of questioning they're answering, are they sliding scale, were they kind of yes-no questions? And and I'm I actually would be much more concerned about their sampling methodology than I would about the actual sample size. That sample size could be plenty sufficient to have a to have pretty high uh, statistical, you know, confidence levels and p-values. <clears throat> That's do, do they talk about their sampling methodology? Uh, they give you the opportunity to contact someone to get more details on the sampling methodology, but they did, they do have, the, on the very last page, oh, they do talk about so, it. So it, talk, your, talk to your sales rep is what it is, right? No, no, no. Bill, I'm just lead form, <laughs> and we'll tell you more about it. I'll, I'll read it, because it's a short paragraph, and this is the methodology that was reported. This survey was conducted online within the United States by Harris Poll on behalf of Salesforce. November so 17th. This is legit, okay. From November 17th to 28th, 2016, among 304 small business owners in the U.S. with less than 100 employees, and less than $1 billion in annual revenue. Data were weighted by numbers of employees to bring them in line with their actual proportions. The online survey is not based on a probability sample, and therefore no estimate of theoretical sampling error can be calculated. For complete survey methodology, including weighting variables, please contact Leslie Grant, uh, Grant and then it gives her email address. Well, so Harris is not some fly-by-night operation, so at least they used a, a legit firm, but... That last part sounded weird. Yeah. Um, well, and anyways, the only reason that I bring up the story is because I, I started researching because I want to understand the small business world a little bit more just because I just wanted to understand it. I wanted to understand why the sampling was so small because from my understanding, there's millions upon millions of small businesses. Well, because <clears throat> first of all, it, it's hard to get people to take a survey and it's expensive to pay someone to administer a survey. Yes. So if you can, if you can actually draw some pretty good and sound statistically conclusions from sampling 300 businesses, well, why would you sample 5,000? It's just going to cost you a ton more. Yeah. I agree. But, but, but you know, keep in mind, th this is Salesforce going to a polling company and saying, this is the story we're trying to tell, so <laughs> please give us the survey results we're looking for. And there, there are ways to do that. It's playing with numbers. It's it it's uh, fun with statistics. Right. It's, you know, it's like when, um, you know, we got a politician of some party who uh, wants to do a poll and, and they... You go. To, you do have a pollster that's of that same party affiliation do the poll, and you, you get a better polling results. Yeah. 
Or certain people will answer the phone and certain people won't. That's true. And that's response <laughs> bias, selection yeah. bias. It is. Uh, so, so anyways, I, the, the reason I started out with that story is because you never know where, where it's going to lead you. You never know where that data is going to lead you, what you're going to learn, what you're going to find out. So I came across a site called Ready Context. And it was because I was trying to figure out, okay, well, what percentage of this small business number could potentially have an impact on Salesforce's numbers? Well, I don't know how, how many customers Salesforce has. I don't know what the demographic is. So I started trying to find out just to see. Well, apparently there's a company that's out there selling data. Salesforce customer no. data. No. Someone selling data? <laughs> but as a teaser, they provide you with some high-level numbers. So I'll, I'll put this in the show notes so you guys can see it. But it's... it's um. It's ready contacts and they have a they have a uh, landing page called salesforce.com customer list. And it it says what's included. Man, I hope they're paying for this ad. <laughs> I find the numbers interesting. I think you'll find the numbers interesting. Okay. Uh they say that they're they have uh three thirty nine thousand four hundred and eighty four companies in their list from Salesforce. That gives us an idea there's probably about forty thousand Salesforce companies. I feel like Salesforce not more. publishes this this number. They brag about it. It's a brag number. They have they talk about this all the time. What Maybe. They talk about the number of companies and the number of users. Well, they, they have, in this list, they have 157,000 contacts, which I think is is lower than users, obviously. There's, there's right. far more users than that. Yeah. They say their, their list covers 20 industries and 19 countries. Uh, interestingly enough, when they break it out by country, the United States has 35,242 in that list. Uh, the second closest is Canada at 1,474. How many? 1,474. So a huge drop-off. So 30-something, 30, 30 right. 39,000 to 1,000? 35,000. 35,000 to basically... To 1,500. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and then it just keeps dropping from there. UK, 803, Australia. And that could just be that they don't have... They don't, that their mechanism for capturing this information isn't as prevalent in the, in this. So it's not, this doesn't, doesn't mean to say that that's all they have. Right. But it kind of gives you an idea of, of how... Where Salesforce is dominant. Right. Well, um, we already know that. I mean, they're they're still they're, Salesforce isn't quite considered like a multinational yet, the way that Oracle and some of these other companies are. I mean, Salesforce is expanding, but they're um, just they've always been U.S. heavy, and their 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 growth rates actually are still heavier or better in the U.S. than they, from what I remember, than from from other regions. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to do an ask Jeremy uh, based on this list. What state you what U.S. state do you think topped the list? And the most number of respondents, or the most or, number, the most number of uh, of uh, companies within this list. California. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Can you guess what the number is? Out of how many? Thirty five thousand. Yeah. In the United States. Um, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say it's about. Where's my calculator? I'm gonna. I would guess it's probably twenty percent of their business. So I'm gonna say seven thousand. Not bad. Sixty uh, six thousand seven hundred. No. So I was basically right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see what else. Um, I didn't realize this was going to be a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, they break out the numbers in a couple of different ways between, uh, you know, revenue, uh, number of employees, um, those kind of things. So if you're interested, I'll put that in the show notes and you can kind of see how they break so, that out. Okay. Are you going to get to the sus the suspect numbers? Well, like I said, the, the numbers, were, like you said, it wasn't really suspect to me. I just, I just wanted to understand why the sampling size was so small because for me, three hundred statistics. It's it's complicated. <laughs> well, like I, I said, you could you could totally have very good P levels with a three hundred sampling, and that's true. But I I just wanted to understand. Um, oh, sure, sorry, it's called a P value. The P value. A P value. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
It's not. It's not a. That's not. That's not what you use in a pissing contest. For it's me, not, I, not a, I guess for me, I wanted to understand. You know, how biased is this? You know, what based on the sampling size that that seems low to me logically in my head, knowing that there's there's way more people out there. But I did kind of temper myself in saying this was an online survey. You know, not everyone's going to take it. It's not like they're paying people to take it. It's just this optional survey. And from the people that responded, these are the results they got, yeah. which doesn't invalidate it. I'm just. It just was curious to me about. You know what these numbers were, what the small business market is, because I know it's really big, and it could. It, it, I think it's still a very driving factor in terms of growth for Salesforce. I mean, to me, the the big red flag is <clears throat> it's it's not the sample size or even the methodology. It's the it's the fact that it was sponsored by a vendor, and so you, it, you take that with that particularly size, you know, large grain of salt. <laughs> Um, so anyways, the, only, the whole point of my story is, is I learned something from it. I learned something from going to that. I learned, I, I spent some time on the .org, .gov site on small business, and mm-hmm. you learn some things. Don't learn something. All right. Learn something <laughs> every day. Uh, uh, you want some fun stuff? Yes, please. I've been boring me with statistics. <laughs> uh, let, let's talk about non-Salesforce stuff for a bit. I have yeah. some more sales, Salesforce stuff to circle back to, but... Uh, We're already in an hour, so... Oh, wow. Yep. Not bad. Or over an hour, hour fifteen. Uh, I mentioned this this to you earlier, but I don't I don't know what impact it's going to have for us as web application developers because I think the stuff we do doesn't really cross over into the heavy graphic usage. Uh, but it potentially could. It could have some performance impacts. Um, but it also could potentially shake up how browsers are built, how JavaScript interacts with things. And this is a uh, uh, Apple's WebKit announcement that they're adding a basically an API layer that will allow you to leverage. Uh, hardware, uh, more hardware-accelerated functions. So be, be, allow you to kind of access the hardware layer for graphics performance. Um, they do that today with, I think, like OpenGL and things like that, but this is kind of providing a, a more cross-hardware layer that's supposed to be a little more performant. Because there's already also, I mean, CSS animations and, and a lot of the, um, uh, what's the what's the 2D drawing technology? Um, uh, the, the, the vector... The vector format that we all use now, SVG. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, a lot of the stuff is already um, the you know video. Even it, it's that a lot of that's already you're just going to get hardware acceleration. So I'm not sure what. Well, this these is. are more in terms of 3D graphics within the browser. You know, drawing on the actual browser, 3D graphics, those kind of things. Um, that does cross over to some types of animation that that some people like to try to attempt to do within the browser. Um, obviously, it's, it, it could impact how uh, people are designing and building games for browsers and those kind of things. You were saying earlier, this is it's almost like a direct 3D for the web, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, and, and there's there's kind of concepts of that that do exist. It's just this is Microsoft, this is Apple um, coming out and putting forth another Are they driving initiative. a standard, or is this going to be a, some Safari only thing? Uh, they always try to drive a standard. However, oh really? I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say that about Apple. Yeah. Is FaceTime a standard that or the, that they promised it was going to be? Okay, I'm not gonna say always. I'm but. I think they would like it to be a standard. They they try for the standard. They they want to be the standard, but most of the time, no one follows follows through. I mean, yeah. and, and also Safari, as of late, has been the slowest to adopt standards. Oh, yeah, and th- there are some quirks with it that that I found that just don't seem to work. However, I have noticed that uh, Chrome has kind of been a bit of a beast at times. I don't know if that's the extensions that I have enabled or a combination of the updates. Um, but I do find myself at times going back to Safari every so often just because uh, Chrome just doesn't seem to be performing. But that could be for other factors. Yeah, I, I used to go back to Safari sometimes. I'd just really just, I'd find myself not doing it near as much. It's, I mean, part of it's that <clears throat> Chrome ties into my 
I mean, every time I, when I use Chrome, I'm, I'm logged in, so it, it's keeping all my history and all that, and then the bookmarks and whatever. And if I go to a different browser, it's just it's like I don't have any of those. Yeah. So I don't know. It seems to be more of a pain than what it's worth. And I feel like overall, light, I mean, I do notice that Chrome, it kind of, you know, one release, it might get a little faster. The next release, it might have, a, you know, they've, they're always adding so many features and so and, and adding new standard support and things. So you're going to have times when... You have a release where the performance there's some performance issues, but they you know they come they they're patching these things so often that it's it's usually like well if Chrome's a little slow well number one restart because when you restart it might actually install the new version that it already downloaded and that could yeah. fix it right there. I know. <laughs> but if not, just wait a couple of days and you'll get a new release and it'll, it'll be better. <laughs> well, that's going to be fun for us moving forward as we move more of our development into the browser and JavaScript and right. our debugging tools are there now. True. True. True dat. <laughs> All right, so I want to do some reviews. Uh, maybe we can finish up the reviews. Sounds good. Uh, I do want to say uh, the service that we use to aggregate our reviews went down for a bit. So it came back online. I think we have all the reviews. Uh, so these are going to be kind of catch-up reviews. Um, but if you've written a view and we haven't covered it and you want it to be covered, uh, just ping us on Slack or on Twitter or info at gooddayserpodcast.com and let us know and we'll, we'll go find it and make sure that we, we read it. So we do appreciate it and we want to we wanna read them. Yep. <clears throat> uh, so this first one, this was back in January and this was from Mahat and he says, my nickname is Taken. This is actual in the name. <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't know you could do that. So I guess his... He could I, be talking about his Slack nickname. I don't know what he means by that. No, I, this was like, this is the reviewer name. Oh, okay. So I think in iTunes, he, he said, Mahat, my nickname is Taken. So. Okay. Uh, from the UK, uh, says, I first came across these guys back in 2010. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was working for a large consulting firm straight out of university and trying Wait to... Wait a minute, we were doing this podcast in 2010? <laughs> we only have 116 episodes? You didn't let me finish. Oh, okay. And trying to break into the Salesforce world. For some reason, the consulting firm thought I would enjoy working on SAP without asking me. Rant for another time. This is all in parentheses. I was working on a small gig for a large client. I managed to convince some important people to give me a chance, and I immediately identified a potential need for CSS, but I knew nothing about Visual Force. After a couple hours of researching online, I came across a blog post on iterativelogic.com. That's a great site. <laughs> I love that site. Yeah. Uh, he, he says, Visual Force PDF repeating headers, I think it was on. That was That's my most popular article. Wow. And that came with that... You're famous, John. That article... In order, in order to, to discover... That feature, I think I spent like two nights all night trying to figure it out. All right, let's continue with the review. People are, we've lost about half of our audience here because this is probably not the most exciting part of the podcast anyway. <laughs> Ever since I have followed their work online intently, the Salesforce community is loud. And to be perfectly frank, without a substance, uh, the Salesforce community is loud. And to be perfectly frank, without substance a lot of the time. Not with these guys, though. Yes, a lot of noise, especially when John gets drinking. Sorry. <laughs> but always with substance. The podcast over the last couple of years has been awesome. What does he mean without substance? This is awesome. This is amazing. I mean, how much more substance do you need? <laughs> uh, the podcast over the last couple of years has been awesome. Always one of the highlights of my week. Always insightful and full of laughs. The Slack community has also been a revelation. Must listen for anybody working in the Salesforce ecosystem. That was a long one. I appreciate it. That was really cool. Uh, our next review... Uh, his title, what was his title? Longtime fan, okay. So the title of this one is a must-listen if you click instead of code. So we have a clicker, not a coder. Awesome. Yeah, this is uh, Robin ECA. 
is the reviewer. Uh, like many others before me, I fell into the role of accidental nonprofit techie some years back, and among my responsibilities was administration of the organization's Salesforce account. I'm still at it, self-teaching myself along the way. And boy, was I glad to stumble across this podcast. As an idealistic cynic, and we love idealistic cynics, <laughs> I love the host's take and tone and critical perspective. I especially appreciated last week's thoughtful analysis of the real politic behind Salesforce's curious recent hire. I believe that was the uh, Megan... Uh, Monica... Monica. Langs, uh, Monica Langley. Uh, yeah. Langley, yeah. While I sometimes don't understand a word they are saying when they're focusing on the nuts and bolts of software development, I like being challenged to learn more, and I definitely have since becoming a regular listener and irregular Slack team visitor. Oh, she's a lurker. Yep. <laughs> you have some lurkers. That's okay. Yes, we love our lurkers. We do. Thanks for keeping me informed and entertained while I keep our data clean. Thank nice. you. Yeah. That's great. It's, it's I, you know, I, it's, I like hearing, it's nice to hear when uh, you, we, I don't know, just have a, 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 the smallest impact on someone's, you know, someone's day or, I don't know. I certainly like, I've got certain podcasts I like to listen to that just help me get, help me get through things. But, you know, it's just like, I think a lot of it's people find us and they, they're like, oh, wow, there's some people that like, you know, maybe feel the same way I do about some things or have some of the same problems. And we just don't, uh, yeah, we don't pussyfoot around, do we? No, not usually. Good reviews. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate it. So we, uh, we are now at a fork in the road, Jeremy. I have one last exploratory story, or we can end it. We're going we're gonna to hold that one over. All right. That'll be the fourth week in a row. Well, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't keep it at the bottom of your list. <laughs> well, um, I keep it there because it, it can be held. Okay. Uh, so, yes, uh, if you would like to re leave us a review or if you just, you know, uh, want to give back in some small way, you can uh, leave us a review. You can heart us or whatever in Overcast or whatever podcatcher you use. They all have usually like a little recommendation thing that helps people find us. Or just give us stars in iTunes. That helps too. If you, even if you don't do the words thing, stars are good. Uh, as you've heard, we have a community. It's a Slack community and it's easy to join. You just have to um, PayPal $100 to John DeSantiago. And no, I'm just kidding. You go to gooddaysirpodcast.com click community and just give us your email address and uh, John will add you it's a uh, it's becoming a not so uh, well kept secret um, I know a, a happening place so yeah check it out uh, you, if you if you interest if you're interested in these topics and you kind of like what we talk about you will probably enjoy uh, the uh, the community even if you just want to lurk that's fine not a problem that works and if you have a question that you would like us to answer on the show, or if you have a topic you want us to discuss, info at gooddaysirpodcast.com. Info at gooddaysirpodcast.com. Listen to you sounding all official. I know. Trying I had to, be a, I had to make to, notes for this. Trying to be a professional. <laughs> you know what? I could tell you were reading that, by the way. Well. You see? You see I, what I, happens when you're not spontaneous and you're just reading? no apologies for that, because I'm not a broadcast professional. <laughs> and to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. <laughs>